You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 219. In this episode, I talk about when to go to Iceland and what to see and do there. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing and succeed with masterminds. I am from Iceland, so I often get asked what to see in Iceland, when to go and where to stay. Instead of replying to all those individual questions, I thought it would be a smart idea to do a dedicated episode about Iceland. If Iceland is on your bucket list, then this is the episode for you. To grab the show notes of this episode, go to signal.com forward slash 219. For many years, tourism wasn't a growing industry in Iceland. About 500,000 tourists came every year to Iceland. But in 2010, Eyjafjallajökull made the headlines around the world for being the culprit behind a big volcanic eruption that stopped air traffic over the Atlantic Ocean and in Europe for two weeks. Thousands of people were stranded all over the world and finally the world knew that Iceland existed and where it was. But of course, nobody could pronounce Eyjafjallajökull correctly. It is basically three words. Eyja, which means island, fjalla, which means mountain, and jökull, which means glacier. So essentially the volcano is called island, mountain, glacier, or Eyjafjallajökull. Google noticed a spike in searches for Iceland and flights to Iceland which proves that the fears Icelanders had about less interest in Iceland actually meant the opposite. Since there have been a few volcanic eruptions, but none of them have stopped air traffic and have been what we Icelanders call tourism volcanic eruption, which just makes the country even more interesting to visit. Google searches increased again in 2016 when the Icelandic male football team soccer for my American friends, made it into the European Championships, managed to get into the knockout round and bet England in a historic football game. You don't have to be interested in football to understand how significant this was for football in general, but also for Iceland. This year, in 2018, as I'm recording this episode, the Icelandic male football team made it into the World Championship And even though they didn't make it into the knockout round, Iceland made a name for itself by being the smallest nation ever to qualify for the World Championship with only 350,000 inhabitants and a part-time dentist as a trainer. All of this has led to a massive growth in tourism in Iceland. So it has actually become one of the major industries in the country. This year, Iceland is expecting 2.7 million tourists compared to only 500,000 eight years ago. 
This has all kinds of consequences, and some of them are good and others are not so good. What's great about this growth is that there are more choices in restaurants and accommodation than ever before. But the downside is that prices have gone up because there are only so many places that you can stay or eat at. Still, if Iceland is on your bucket list, there has never been a better time to visit the country. So when is the best time to visit Iceland, I often get asked. My favorite time is end of June to beginning of August, if you want to experience Icelandic summer. Actually, around June 21st and a few weeks before and after, you have daylight the whole night. And that's something very special. This is the time I would go on the road myself and explore my country. Spring and fall can also be great, and I have chosen to do Mastermind Retreat Iceland in the fall, typically beginning of September. If you want to experience the Northern Lights, then you need to come in the winter because they are not visible in the summer, for obvious reasons. Also, winter travel is quite popular and more and more tourists are visiting Iceland in the wintertime. Icelandic winters are not as cold as you would expect or around 0 degrees Celsius or 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And at the same time, Icelandic summers are not as warm as you would expect, with average temperature of 10 degrees Celsius and 50 degrees Fahrenheit. I also love being in Iceland when something is going on like Gay Pride, Culture Night, Food Festival or a music festival like Icelandic Airwaves, which is now an international music festival in November. How long should you stay? As long as you can. If you really want to see Iceland, you need to stay at least two to three weeks. But if you just want to get a sneak peek, then you can see a lot in three to four days. Mastermind Retreat Iceland is six days and I would never make it shorter. Of course, during the retreat, we're also working. So overall, we're about three, three and a half days on the road and anything shorter, I wouldn't recommend. Beware though, most people who come to Iceland on a short trip want to come again. So why not stay longer the first time? At some point, you might want to do the round trip, which is a route around the whole country and it takes you about 16 hours to drive but actually about two weeks to explore. And if you have more time, then that's even better. What I have actually done with my family, first I did the round trip. We actually did it in six days and that was kind of a speedy round trip, but doable. And since then, every year, with a very few exceptions, we've taken one week to explore different areas of Iceland. So we don't do the round route anymore, but go to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and always explore a different area and spend a whole week seeing everything we can see in that area. If you're interested in road trips like I am, I recommend getting the Icelandic Road Guide, which is available on Amazon, and I'll link to it also in the show notes. This guide describes every single road in Iceland, so you'll always know what to look at. I use this guide in combination with TripAdvisor and local guides. The tourism board publishes small booklets for north, south, west and east. And those little booklets that are free often give a better overview than larger touristic guides. You'll find these little booklets at any petrol station all over the country. So what should you see? There are no secret spots anymore, because if a few people found a place interesting, it will already be on TripAdvisor. And that's where you'll find a lot of things to do and see. 
With that being said, I discovered an amazing map a few years ago made by a Frenchman living in France, who is what we call an Iceland fan. Being a passionate photographer, I heard about this map that was specially made for photographers. It's basically a map of Iceland on a very durable paper where Michael Levy, that's his name, has highlighted the best photography spots in Iceland. Accompanying the map is an extensive ebook that describes all of the spots. In the show notes, you'll find a link to this map, which I buy every year for myself. And I also give to my VIP clients when they come to Iceland. So with that all being said, what should you really see? Almost all tourists that come to Iceland drive the Golden Circle. It consists of three stops. Think Vettler, the oldest parliament site in the world. Geysir, which is where the original names comes from and Gullfoss, the golden waterfall. You can take a bus for this route and it typically takes about eight hour bus ride with extensive stops or you drive yourself. And it's more like five or six hour drive with ample time to stop on the way. On the first day of Mastermind Retreat Iceland, we take this route before we go to our accommodation in South Iceland. The South route is one of my favorite routes in Iceland, and it starts either in Reykjavik or like for us in Mastermind Retreat Iceland, we start in Solheimer, which is the oldest eco village in the world. From there, we drive on the coastline all the way to the east to Jökulsárlón, the glacier lagoon, which is one of my favorite spots in the whole world. Driving the South route, you'll see many waterfalls, two of them being the most famous, Seljalandsfoss and Skoafoss. Skoafoss became world famous when Apple used it as a backdrop in its ads and on its website for a while. Seljalandsfoss is smaller, but you can walk behind it, which makes it more interesting. And the best time to walk behind this is just before sunset, so you can see the sun through the waterfall. There are many spots on the south route where you can make a stop, like the Black Sand Beats, Reynesfjara, where you'll see stone transformation in the ocean that look like trolls. But the biggest attraction on the south route is Jökulsárlón, which is a very unique glacier lagoon directly on the ring road. I haven't seen anything like this anywhere else except maybe in Greenland. And every day is different because the icebergs move on the lake. You shouldn't miss this opportunity to take a boat trip on the lake to get a closer look at the icebergs. And if you're lucky, you'll see a seal too. We do this trip on Mastermind Retreat Iceland and it takes us from 8 a.m. in the morning to 10 p.m. in the evening to get back to our accommodation in Solheimar. But if you're driving from Reykjavik, you need to calculate about 16 hours for this route back and forth. Easier is, of course, to continue your tour and stay somewhere along the route if you have more time. If you decide to continue the ring road, you'll end up in Höpn, which is the most eastern town on the south route. And from there you'll go onwards to the east fjords. The east fjords have a beautiful fjord landscape and my favorite villages are Djupavik and Eskifjörður. And in Stöðvarfjörður, you'll also find the largest stone museum in Iceland. In the northeast, we always go to Mödrudalur, which is the highest farm in Iceland. And it offers accommodation in a traditional Icelandic torf house. From there, you can take jeep tours into the highlands of Iceland and see an old, huge crater and landscape, which makes you believe you're on the moon. 
These places are so remote but still so near if you just have the time to explore it. Next up is the Diamond Circle, which is very different from the Golden Circle. This route includes Husavik, which is the best spot to go whale watching in Iceland, Mývat, which is a very special lake with lava formation, and Tetefoss, which is the most powerful waterfall in the whole of Europe. In the north, you'll find Akureyri, which is like a mini version of Reykjavik and often called the capital of the north. Around Akureyri area, there are many great sightseeing spots like Godafoss, an old Icelandic tour farm, and the only Christmas shop that is open all year long. In the northwest, you'll find Siglifjörður, which is a cute little fishing town where you'll be able to see how Icelanders worked with fish in the old days. You better not be afraid of tunnels, because the tunnels in this area are one-way tunnels. The West Fjords are again deep fjords, like the, in the east, but still very different. Isafjörður is the main town, but smaller towns are more fun to visit. A lot has happened in the West because of tourism, and it's possible to rent small boats and go out on the ocean fishing and then eat the fish that you just caught. In 2010, I did an eight-day road trip with my family there and we were very busy every single day exploring this area and have so many great memories that actually our next road trip will be in this area. If you can take the boat from Westfjords over to Stikisholmer, Snæfellsnes is another favorite area of mine because there's so much to see and it's only three hours from Reykjavik. Make sure you have the Icelandic road guide to notice all the things you can do, including drinking natural sparkling water. Snæfellsjökull became world famous in the book 80 Days Around the World, where Jules Verne talked about entering the world through the glacier. Many believe this area has special powers, so if you're into that, this is the place to go. And don't forget to explore Reykjavik itself and the Keplavik Peninsula, which has many hotspots, including the famous Blue Lagoon, where I go with my participants from Mastermind Retreat Iceland on our final day. And what should you experience besides doing your road trip? You have yet now heard how much of a fan I am of road trips. But I also recommend going horseback riding. Icelandic horses are smaller than horses in Europe and United States. They're not ponies. Make sure you don't call them ponies. But they're smaller. They're true workhorses, very kind. And it's easy for anyone to ride a horse, even inexperienced people. River rafting. I haven't actually tried river rafting myself in Iceland, but it seems to be very popular and you can do it in many places. Midnight golf, yes, I've done that myself. And that's something you could do end of June, beginning of July, and that's a lot of fun. Swimming pools. I love going swimming. And what's great about the swimming pools in Iceland is that almost all of them are outdoors. They have natural hot water and very little chemicals. So if you have the opportunity, I recommend going swimming every single day. Where should I stay? For a short trip, you can stay in Reykjavik and drive around and always come back to your base. For longer trips, I suggest you stay at various locations around the country. The easiest way to find accommodation is through booking.com or Airbnb. I prefer not to stay in hotels in Iceland and rather book cottages, which you can find all over the country in all kinds of sizes. 
If you want some concrete recommendations, I can recommend Hotel Marina and Hotel 101 in Reykjavik. And if you're looking for luxury, then check out Ion Hotel and Hotel Rangau. Overall, I think it is hard to tell someone else what they should see or do because we are all different. Many come to Iceland to hike and I'm not a fan of hiking myself, so I cannot recommend any hiking routes. Others come from horseback riding and although I can horseback ride myself and do that once a year with my participants from Mastermind Retreat Iceland, I'm generally not that into horses. So if you're planning a trip to Iceland, do your own research, not just rely on my trips. And if you want to spend six days with online entrepreneurs, then I, of course, suggest that you join Mastermind Retreat Iceland. In any case, I hope you enjoy your stay in Iceland. To grab the show notes of this episode, go to signal.com forward slash 219. Thank you for listening to The Signal Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.